You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at BethanyNaz.org. I remember right after I moved to Cincinnati, uh, now 12, 13 years ago, I, I began hearing about this couple and that they were very gracious and giving people had given millions of dollars away. And so I was excited when I got a phone call from them one day because we were doing some missions work in Central America. And I had no idea that their heart was really connected to this particular work we were involved in. And so they said, we would like to meet with you. They were probably in their mid-70s at the time. And so I said, sure, uh, I could drive up. Would you want maybe to go to lunch together? They said, well, no, we have to work that day, so maybe breakfast would be better. And so I said, okay. And so I met them early in the morning for breakfast, and they came in like work clothes. They owned a very large farm. And, and they were wearing jeans, and, and they were wearing like denim jean shirts. And although in their mid-70s, they're still going to work every day and working on a farm. And I said, you were serious that you're, you're going to work? And they said, yeah, we, we still work every day. And so as we began to talk about what was going on in Central America, I realized that their hearts were very tender. Tears would well up in their eyes as they would talk about what they would like to see God accomplish. So think about this. Here are these people in their 70s, still going to work every day, living a very, very frugal life in order to give away millions of dollars. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised when they stuck me with the bill at the end of the meal. (laughs) But before they left, they shook my hand. And they made a commitment to me of thousands of dollars that they would invest in the ministry we were doing. And so when I see that, that seems really radical to me. Does that seem really radical to you? If, if God gave you lots of money, would you live on even less money? And would you work well into your 70s hard every day with this idea that if I keep working and I spend less, then I can give a lot more away? And you know what I believed I was seeing with my own eyes? I believed I was seeing the kingdom of God at hand. Or what about when a person who is mistreated really bad, and instead of retaliating, they respond with grace and open arms, and they respond with forgiveness. And sometimes I watch that happen in life. And when I watch it happen, you know what I think to myself? I think I'm witnessing right now the kingdom of God being lived out in my world. Sometimes there are people who are here who just serve like crazy. And I'm sometimes saying to them, you should go home. No, it's okay, Pastor. My kids are grown. I have time. I'm fulfilled when I serve. And I love giving my hours here. And I think in that moment that maybe I'm witnessing the kingdom of God before my very eyes. So, I've told you over the years that when I was 19, I was, I was saved. I don't, I don't mean that I, I, I prayed to feel better about some sin in my life. I mean, I was converted. I was radically transformed. I'm telling you that I was born again. And shortly after that, I began to feel like God was asking me to preach. And I didn't really have other language to talk about that. I didn't talk about going into the ministry. I talked about being called, what I thought by God, to to preach. 
And so I remember my pastor said to me, well, would you, would you like to preach? And I said, well, I would love to preach because I feel like that's what God has asked me to do. And so I would love, to, I would love the opportunity to preach. And so he says, you can preach on a Wednesday night soon. And so I remember, I remember preparing for that sermon. And, and I was going to say I really didn't know how to prepare a sermon, but you might say, well, you may still don't know really how to prepare a sermon. So I thought I'd leave that alone. But I remember trying hard to put a sermon together. And after I preached that sermon, I remember thinking to myself, I think I have said everything that you could say. I don't, if I was asked to preach again, I don't know what I would say. I think I covered it all, the whole Bible right there. And so I, I got another opportunity to preach, and so I just preached the same sermon. I had one suit, one sermon. Life was simple then. You put on your suit, you preach your sermon. Life was easy. Even then, I felt like I had something significant to say to people. Something that needed to be heard. Something important. Something of value. And so I've lived this preacher's life. I, I live in a preacher's house and I drive a preacher's car and I go to a preacher's workplace and I eat at a preacher's table and I sleep with a preacher's wife every night of my life. I'm a preacher. And so we're celebrating Advent with these words, He has come. Listen to me, okay? Jesus one day says in the book of Mark, chapter 1, You ready? I have come to preach. (laughs) I've got something really important to say. I've got something of value that people need to hear. And the, the whole coming as a baby and the stable and the manger and the shepherds and the wise men and the angelic choir, you know what that was all about? I came because I have to preach. And so Mark says he goes throughout Galilee preaching the good news. And then he tells us what the good news is. Jesus says the time has come, the kingdom of God, where people do really radical stuff. The kingdom of God has come. So repent and believe this good news because it's all about good news that the kingdom of God is now here. And so I want you to open your Bible with me, okay? And I want you to go to Mark 1 with me. And I want to read these words to you as he shares them with us, okay? Mark 1, 35 is the verse we'll be starting with. And um, I love it when you grab a Bible from the pew back or when you get your phone out or you do something to get the Word of God in front of you. And you may want to look at the whole book of, or the whole chapter of, um, first chapter of Mark as I share these words with you this morning, Okay? So here we go. The Word of God. So very early in the morning, while it was still dark. By the way, there will be a quiz, okay? So you've got to pay really close attention here. So just for your sake, I'll repeat it again. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Now, he was staying in Simon, Peter, and Andrew's house. So, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. So here's what Jesus says in response. Let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages. So I can preach there also. Because that is why I have come. So as a baby in the manger with the stable and the shepherds and the wise men and the angelic choir, all of that 
The reason I came was to preach. And so he traveled, Mark says, throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So that's the good news. Jesus came to bring the good news. The good news is the kingdom of God is near. You know, I I think as I look back over this past year, we've gotten our share of bad news. The Ebola outbreak, kind of early in the year, we begin to hear about. And uh, as people with Ebola begin to make their way to the United States for treatments, we became very concerned. And so we are all beginning to wonder how many lives will a virus like this claim before it's finally put out of existence. Probably the toughest news we heard this year was about Christians being persecuted in Syria. We begin to hear about Christians losing their head. We didn't know what to think. I probably had reached a point in my life that I, I didn't know that we would hear news like that ever again. I felt like we had come to a different level in this world, but not so. And then we begin to hear about journalists being beheaded by ISIS to make a point. In fact, yesterday, another photojournalist from the U.S. was killed by ISIS. And as we made our way past the summer, we begin to hear about this stuff going on in Ferguson, Missouri. And all the unrest and racial tension. And then just this past week, we begin hearing again about what's going on in New York City. Unrest, more racial tension. And as I look back on all of that news that has kind of been poured into our lives over this past year, you understand that that is not the kingdom of God at its fruition. That is not where God reigns. That is not where God rules. That is not God's will being lived out in front of us every day. That is in opposition to the principles of the kingdom of God. So we're in this season of Advent and we are waiting. I, I, I met a, a guy this morning named Cody. Cody, jump up quick, okay? Cody, you coming? Is your name Cody? Do I have the wrong name? Come up. Come running. You know, I think one other time I called a kid by the wrong name and, and they didn't come up and I didn't understand why, but it made sense. Hey, tell me what your name is. Brody. No wonder. I just met Brody for the first time today. Good morning. It's nice to meet you. Why don't you pop up on that stool right there, okay? Thanks for helping me out in my sermon this morning, all right? So sometimes when it's family worship Sunday, I like to have a kid like yourself come up and help me out with the sermon. So thanks for doing that. I also got a gift for you because have you ever noticed that usually I give them like a gift after they help out? You have noticed that. (laughs) I like that little grin. Yep, so happens I noticed. So I've got lots of kids. You like candy? You're going to love what's in here. And so I wanted to give that to you. And I probably, I don't think I will take more than what time is it? Probably maybe 25 more minutes up here and I'll just preach and then I'll get right to you, okay? So what we're doing this year with Advent is we're trying to help our children understand that waiting is part of Advent. The people of Israel are saying, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And so we are in this season of waiting for the coming of Christ. 
How are we doing? Okay. So one of the things that we're doing to help children get that, and the reason I'm talking about it this morning is because you're sitting beside your parents this morning. So kids, look at your parents and say, listen really close to what he's about to say, okay? We have an Advent calendar, and Pastor Corey will be in the north entrance this morning as you leave, and she will be there at the atrium making sure every elementary family has an Advent calendar and also making sure that every early childhood family has a cup called Faith Talks. Really important stuff. Waiting kind of hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever do you ever feel like like before Christmas morning gets it just takes a long time for Christmas morning to get here. You know what I'm saying? You have to wait. Yeah. Do you want to wait for this candy? You can be honest. <laughs> you you can be honest. No, okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I was just trying to make a point, but you helped me make it really well. Okay. So I'm going to just give this to you now. And everybody's going to give you a big hand and you can go sit with your parents. So they wait and they wait. And when Jesus the Messiah comes with the good news, it's not the kind of news they thought they were going to hear. The news is about this other kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God. What if everybody loved like God loved? What if everybody was accepting as God is? What if everybody was hospitable like God is hospitable? What if everybody treated one another like God would have us treat one another? So, Mark says, here's the way the story goes. I told you there'd be a quiz. How early in the morning was it? Very early. And when Jesus gets up and he goes away, where does he go? What kind of a place? A what kind of place? Solitary place. A very quiet place. When he gets to that very quiet place, very early in the morning, while it's still dark, what does Jesus do when he gets there? He prays. So here's what's tempting for me because I'm a preacher. It's tempting for me to say, Jesus got up early in the morning and he prayed. So if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to get up and pray. (laughs) Because that's what preachers do. But I think to do that misses who Jesus was. Or what it's like to be like Him. Let me see if I can explain. I had an appointment on Friday. And I was in that meeting with that individual. And my phone, I noticed I was getting a call. And I looked at it and it was my daughter Morgan. And so I didn't answer the phone. But I texted her and said, I'm in an appointment. Are you okay? Do you need me? Can I call you back in ten minutes? And so her response was, it's okay. You can call me back. It's just really important. I need to talk to you. And so, after I got finished with the appointment, I called her and I said, Hey, Morgan, Dad, what do you need? And she goes, Well, i got a problem. I need some help. And so she explained to me what was going on and said, Okay, I'm at work, and so when I get done, I can jump in the car and I can run and help you. And so sure enough, just as soon as I got done with work, I was glad to jump in the car and I took off to help her. And I got what she needed and I got it back to her and everything worked out just fine. Sometimes I say to Morgan, man, we can't wait till Thursday night. We're getting dinner together, right? You and mom and I, and you might bring a friend or whatever, but we're going to have fun. And we're really excited. We haven't seen you for a while. And she says, yeah, me too. I'm really excited. And I think she really is. We don't see her that much, seven minutes away, but it's still like we don't run into each other much. Are you ahead of me on this one? See, I, I, don't, I don't think Jesus spent time with the Father out of obligation. 
I don't think he said, man, I need to set an alarm and get up early in the morning because I really ought to spend some time with the Father. I, I, I think he talked to the Father because he needed help. And because he loved to spend time in his presence. And I think it's the only good reason for us to spend time with the Father too. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray because I really need to talk to God about some stuff. And I know that He'll help me because He loves me. And I'm going to pray because I really want to be with Him. And I want to spend time with Him because I love Him. And so Jesus gets up very early in the morning and He slips off to a solitary, a quiet place. And He prays. Do you do that? And if you do that, what's your motivation? And so Simon Peter and Andrew began to worry about where Jesus is because he was staying at their house. And so they go look for him. Wouldn't it be odd if you had family come in or friends from out of town and they're staying at your house. And that next morning you wake up and you don't hear them stirring around and you wonder how long they're going to sleep. And finally you walk by their bedroom door and it's wide open. And guess what? They're not in it. They're gone. They left a long time ago. And you're wondering, wow, they just left. They didn't say anything to anybody. And that's what Peter and Andrew are thinking. Where did you go? We don't know where you went. And so they go looking for Him. And when they find Him, there He has been with the Father and He begins to talk to them from His heart. Because when you're with the Father, things come into focus. And the kingdom of God is in His mind. And He says, here's what I want you to do, Peter. I want you to take me to the nearby villages because I want to preach there because that is what I came to do. The whole manger and the stable and the wise men and the shepherds and the angelic choir, my whole reason for showing up, Christmas, I came to preach a message. I've got great news. Really good news. And the good news is that there is another way to live. The kingdom of God has come and you can be a part of that kingdom. So let me, let me think with you about that for a few minutes, okay? I was, I was at our annual Thanksgiving dinner last week, and I brought a couple of pictures. I thought you might enjoy because not all of you get to be a part of that, but we just invited our neighbors, people from the community, to come. And so the first one is of our atrium, and you can kind of see. So as full as the atrium is, the entire ramp is filled with people from the community waiting in line. So when eight people get up from that table, the table hosts remain seated, and eight more people come in and sit down and eat dinner. When they get up, eight more come in and sit down and eat dinner. When they get up, eight more come in. It just happens like that for a long time. And so the next picture is a beautiful little girl. Kids come, and it's fun, and they get a lot of pats and a lot of hugs. And Andrea, in the next picture, did a great job putting it together. And the next one is Pastor Mark just meeting some people in the community. And so I'm going around from table to table. And I'm meeting people. And there was this one lady that I met. And uh, when I began talking to her, I realized, you, you attend here. And she says, yes, I do. Well, what's your name? Susan. Well, Susan, it's nice to meet you. How, did you. how did you find this church? How did you end up here? And so she tells me her story. And big tears well up in my eyes. And I go over and I get on my knee beside her. And I said, Susan we got to tell your story. And she said, I would love for you to tell my story. And so we talked more this week, and here's the bottom line. Susan, in 2010, found herself addicted to drugs. It was the month of February, and the last several nights, her and her three kids had slept in her car. 
And she said, I, I knew I couldn't continue that and I took my kids to my mother's house. And she said, when I got them to my mother's house, I had another motive in mind. I've been contemplating for a long time and in my life because I couldn't feel any hope. And getting my kids to my mother's house would free me to get in a position to think more about that. But I got a phone call from a pastor, which I didn't understand because she said, I'd never been to church in my life. Why would a pastor be calling me? But I responded to this phone call because I thought it was so interesting that a pastor would call. And it was a guy named Mark Petritus here at Bethany First Church. And he asked me if I would meet with him, that he would like to talk to me, that he would like to help me. And so I went in and I met with him. And before she said I left his office that night, he said, Susan, did you know that we have crisis houses here? And sometimes we let people move into those houses who are in crisis until they can kind of get on their feet and ready to go again. Did you guys know that we have crisis houses here? And we left his office and he walks me over to the crisis house. And I thought to myself, this is too good to be true. He's not meaning this. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I'm really like. Nobody would just do this for somebody. But before he left, he gave me the key. And she said, I think it was pride. But I said, well, I may come in a couple of days. She said, but as soon as he left, I got in my car and I went and I got my kids. And we came back to that house and we took warm showers. And that was so nice. And there was some furniture there. And there was a couch that you could pull out and make a bed. And we slept on that bed. And I remember when I laid down that night, I felt hopeful. And I felt like my life was going to be okay. She said, I started going to church here. And I started going to celebrate recovery. And within five months, I was celebrating recovery from my drug addiction. Somewhere in all of that, I became a follower of Jesus and began to trust in Him. And He's changed our lives. And I said, you're okay with me telling your story? She goes, listen, I am loved at this place, no matter what they know about my past. People like Darla Tompkins has invested a great deal in my life. People like Holly Johnson has invested in my life. And I said, well, then when I tell your story, maybe you could come up and stand beside me. And she said, I would be okay with that. So, Susan, where are you? Are you nearby? Come, will you? And would you guys just celebrate with me what God is doing in Susan's life? So you know what Susan does today? She is a full-time dental assistant. And um, she supports herself and her family. And you can tell by her face that uh, Jesus lives in her and her life is bright and full. This is the kind of radical transformation, kingdom of God stuff we're talking about this morning. And so uh, I'm so grateful for how God has worked powerfully within you. Thank you so much this morning, Susan. So what do you do? I I think you do a lot of what Susan did. I think you repent. Jesus says the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Repent and believe. 
So repenting is a changing my mind. It's, it's going another direction. Susan would say, I was going this direction, but not anymore. I turned around, and now I'm going this direction with my life. And I begin to trust the good news that this other kind of living was a possibility for me. So why would I, would I repent and, and believe? And, and that is simply from Jesus' words, because the kingdom of God is among you. And it's being lived out in people's lives every day. It's people who work hard and live frugally and work until they're 70 so they can give millions for the sake of the gospel. It's people when offended do not retaliate or bite back but offer grace and forgiveness and love and help. It's people who serve and give of themselves because there's a greater cause than them. The kingdom of God is here. It is. We can test it with our own rebellion. (laughs) Because while we want to say God's will, we keep saying our will. My will. But the kingdom of God is where God reigns, where God rules, where God's power is supreme. Where God's will is done. And I keep saying, but my will, God. So I was sitting in a, in a Sunday school class last Sunday. Pastor Mikkel was teaching and she digs way back and finds something I haven't thought of in years. When I was a youth pastor, there was a guy named Mike Iaconelli who was kind of the guru of youth pastors. And she pulls up an old book of his called Dangerous Wonder. And here's the quote. Listen to me, okay? The most critical issue facing Christians today. Now, this was written 15 years ago, right? The most critical issue facing Christians today is not abortion. It's not pornography. It's not moral absolutes. It's not drugs. It's not racism. It's not even sexuality. The most critical issue facing Christians today is dullness. We have lost our astonishment. In our minds, the good news is no longer good news. It's just okay news. Christianity is no longer life-changing. It's life-enhancing. Man, if I was going to write something down this morning, I might write these words down. In our minds, Jesus doesn't change people into wild-eyed radicals anymore. He just changes them into nice people. Did that hurt? Because it was meant to hurt. In our minds, God isn't changing people into wide-eyed radicals anymore. He's just changing them into nice people. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of being nice. Just nice. I want to do something radical. I want to be a full member of this kingdom of God where radical happens.
I want my life to count. I want to say without hesitation, your will be done. Not my will. I want to see the kingdom of God come on earth. And I know it's got to start here. So this morning we get to celebrate together. We get to celebrate Jesus coming and the gift of his life in, in communion. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And there's a lot of you who are going to help us. I want you to come and take your places. So here's the way we, we think you can have the elements served to you right where you are. Or if you want to come to the altar, the elements can be served to you here. Or if you receive the elements, then you can bring them to the altar. And all together we will receive them. Okay, so I would ask this of you. Would you hold them until everybody has been served and then we will eat and drink together? So you're going to get two cups stacked inside of each other. One has the bread. You can take that out. The other has the drink. And so we will eat and drink together in a moment. So as we sing and prepare our hearts here, I would just challenge you to put yourself in a position of prayer, of hunger for God, of a desire for His grace. And let His Holy Spirit search your hearts. To say, not my will, but God your will. says, I have come to preach the good news. And the good news is the kingdom of God is among you. And then he gave his life so that we could have this life. And so he was with the disciples and taking the bread in his hand, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it, all of you.
he took the cup. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it. So, Father, even in this moment, as we eat and as we drink, we receive your grace. To live a life that says, not my will, but your will be done. And for this we give you praise. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.